You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Take your Bibles to, to this morning. Uh, we've been in a series on Christmas through the Bible. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is still recovering from this three-week cold or whatever, it's still lingering, the congestion there. <clears throat> but uh, we've seen Christmas in Genesis, first promise of the Messiah was Genesis 3.15, so we saw the seed promised. Then we saw Christmas in Psalms, the sacrifice promised, and of course chapter 22 talking a lot about that. And then in Isaiah, the son promised, and now we have Christmas in Matthew. And that is, not only do we have the son promised, <coughs> excuse me, the sacrifice promised, the, uh, the seed promised, but now we have the Savior presented. That's what we're going to talk about today. Before we do that, I want to give just a couple announcements, and I think I'm going to use the pulpit mic, guys, if we could turn that on again. I just um, <coughs> don't want to cough into my microphone again for you folks there. But uh, I, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. First of all, I wanted to... One of our members is now. Can you get it going there? Still coming. All right. <clears throat> but uh, we have one of our members. That, uh, if I need to go back to the other mic, I will. We're getting it. All right. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, sound people. I don't want to. Excuse, I don't want to have to move. Okay, all right. There we go. Thank you. See, you guys are the best. That's why. All right. Thank you. All right. But uh, we have one of our members that is celebrating Christmas in heaven today. And uh, yesterday morning at 4.20 or 4.30, Miss Betty Sahid went home to be with the Lord. So she is celebrating Christmas with Jesus today. And uh, so please keep their family. She has battled cancer for so long and um, got to see her two days ago right before she passed, and uh, had a sweet time. She expressed a lot of love, and uh, she loved our church very deeply, and uh, so I wanted to pass that along to you. But uh, pray for the family. Of course, that was on Christmas Eve that she passed, so today's a little bit different for them. Uh, it's a bittersweet. She wanted to go. She was, I think she was 90 or, in the, or somewhere in that age group there, and, and uh, she was, man, I, I want to go. I want to go home, and and, uh, the, of course, the family, though, there is, is happy. She's not suffering, but sad, and so we're praying for them. I'm also thinking about a lot of our people today. I got so many texts saying, Pastor, I'm sick. I'm not coming to church today, and, uh, and all of that, and some folks out of town. So those of you watching online, Merry Christmas. We love you, and I know some of our people have been shut in for a very long time, and we just want you to know we love you and miss you as well. And then, <clears throat> as we're finding Matthew chapter 1 in our Bibles, I just also want to say thank you. To our church, you spoil us. We are spoiled rotten, and uh, your gifts and your words of encouragement have been much appreciated. We love every one of you. A lot of guests here today. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we're going to have a, a, a one-hour service today, so I'm going to get right into it. Matthew chapter number one. <coughs> Again, we saw the seed promised in Genesis, the sacrifice promised in Psalms, the son promised in Isaiah, and, uh, and now we have the Savior Presented throughout the old the, the whole Old Testament, 
the 4,000 years covered in the Old Testament, which is kind of a unique thing. You got 4,000 years that cover the Old Testament, and the New, cover, uh, New Testament covers about 90 years. So you, you, there's a vast difference in Old Testament and New Testament. And, uh, and on all that time, the message was the same. The message in the Old Testament was Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. He's coming to take away the sins of the world. That prophet is coming in Deuteronomy. And uh, we saw the sacrifice in Psalms and all of that. He is coming. But now we're in the book of Matthew and the message is Jesus has come. Jesus is here. And that's the message here. After, after all the signs in the Old Testament, after all the prophecies in the Old Testament, after all the time that passed, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And that's what we're seeing in this passage today. Now, you're going to notice that he did not come in the way that most people thought he would come. When you're thinking of the Messiah coming, most people uh, imagine that he would come and set up his earthly kingdom then. He did, not, uh, he did not come in the way they thought he would come. He did not uh, grow up in the way they thought he would or live the way he thought he would. And he did not die the way people thought he would. And so it was kind of a thing where people uh, did not quite understand it all at the time, but, but God had a plan. And on Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, or whenever it was that Jesus was born, not that we know exactly the day, God gave us the greatest present ever given, a Savior. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, or, or like this. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So they were basically married, but they have not come together yet. Their marriages were not the same as ours. <clears throat> they, they had entered the contract, but they had not physically come together yet. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man or a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So he was saying there, look, she's, uh, they are, they're basically in all, in all the law, they are, they are married, and now she's expecting a child, but Joseph knows, wait, we haven't come together, that's not my child. And he could have made a public example out of her, but he said, no, I'm going to just quietly put away. What's that mean? In the Old Testament, there was a writing of divorcement. He was, you know, I'm just going to let her go, and she can do her own thing. I don't, want to make, I don't want to bring shame to her. Verse 20, but while he thought on these things, and thank God that Joseph thought about some stuff, didn't just react. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David... Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Because that's what the name Jesus means, Savior. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. They did not have physical relations until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, <clears throat> thank you for sending your son to this earth. It is the pivotal point in history, it's the pivotal point in our lives that Jesus came to this earth to live and then to die for our sins and rise again 
and that we may be forgiven and be able to spend forever in heaven with you. Thank you for your goodness. Bless the message. Help me, Lord, not to get in your way. Give my voice strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus as the Savior being presented here, it means two things. First of all, it means that there's somebody that needs saving, and it means that there's something that they need saving from. If Jesus is our Savior, it means somebody needs to be saved, and somebody and we need to be saved from something. Well, as Christians, we know what that is. We all need a Savior. No one can work their way to heaven. There is none righteous, no, not one. It's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy hath he saved us. Not of works, lest any man should boast, another passage says. We know that our works cannot save us. You cannot do enough good things to get to heaven. The bad always outweighs the good. And, and, and we know that through the word of God. We can, and I think we ought to try to live right. But the Bible says we still fall short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We needed a Savior. That's why Jesus came. If we could work our way to heaven, why would Jesus bother coming? Just tell us to work harder, right? But he came and he died to save us. We're, we're the ones that need saving from what? We need a saving from our sins. Because of our sins, we deserve to, to pay for those sins in a place called hell. Jesus loves us, did not create hell for us, and says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go there. So he came and he suffered our punishment so that we could forever be in heaven with him. That's the Savior. He came because we needed saving. And he came because we needed saving from our sins and the punishment of it. And we know that, we understand that. But I also want to just say, and, and that's, the, that's the gospel message. That's the central message of the whole Bible, is Jesus Christ and his salvation. That's it. That's the message. But today I want to show you, uh, I'll mention that again, but I also want to mention just some practical things out of this passage that I see. As we look at the story surrounding the birth of the Savior, I want to notice, I want to notice three takeaways that are applicable to all of us. Three takeaways from this passage. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and look at verse 1. <coughs> the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, when the Bible's talking about that, it's talking about his lineage, not that he was literally the son of David and Abraham, but they were in the lineage there, a son of David, of Israel, so forth. Abraham begat Isaac, <clears throat> and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. You remember how long these guys were living? Now, Abraham, I think, was 127 or something like that when he died, but they're still up there. And as you go through, you see, and so-and-so begat this person. In other words, hey, he was the father of this person. And then it keeps going down, and it's tracing the lineage. It goes from Abraham, whose son was Isaac, whose son was Jacob, whose son was Judah, whose son was Phares, whose son was uh, 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 Ezra. And it goes all the way down all these generations. When I'm thinking about generations of my family, there is Tom, uh, Tommy Reynolds was my grandfather, and uh, he begat James Reynolds, James Richard Reynolds, and then he begat Eli Reynolds. Of course, he begat my brother, but no one likes him. So it just kind of jumped. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so it, 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 that's the generation. Now, to me, that's been a long time. 
Just those three generations of people. And I think back to my grandfather, and, uh, you know, he's building skyscrapers in Chicago when he was younger and all this kind of stuff. I, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot of time there. And we're looking at generations of people. Keep going if you would. And, and I mean, as you're looking at verse 5 and 6, it talks about David, 7, Solomon, 8, 9, 10. It's talking about uh, Hezekiah and Manasseh. And you're going down and you're seeing more and more. Zerubbabel in verse 13. And as we get down to verse 16, now we see Jesus being born. Verse, 17, verse 16 and 17. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. So we have 14, 14, and 14. Now I have learned not to do math from the pulpit because I find that I embarrass myself. But is that 42, Mrs. Weldon? Yes, all right, I can add 14 three times. Yes, I'm proud of myself. So, <clears throat> 42 generations. Say, so, now what is that? Now that's not even going back to Adam. You could have gone back further. In fact, in Luke, they do go back further to Adam. So how do they do that? What, what, what is the thought here? What am I saying? So we're talking about the gene genealogy of Christ. And, and I don't want you to look specifically at the people. I want you to look at the timeline. 14 generations, or uh, times three, 42 generations. When was Jesus prophesied about the first time? Genesis, chapter three. The Garden of Eden was when, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they got the first promise of the Messiah who would take away their sin. So we have the first promise of the Messiah at like 4,008 uh, B.C., Remember, time works backwards in B.C. And now we have Matthew chapter 1. How long had passed? Best guess, like I said earlier, 4,000 years. Yeah, there should alarms be going off. It's pretty amazing. 4,000 years. So what are you getting at, Pastor? The, the, the thought that I want to give to you, that's a long time to wait, but, but we know that Jesus came at the right time. And here's a simple thought I want to give today on Christmas. Some things take time. Some things take time. 4,000 years. The Messiah was prophesied and talked about, and then he arrives on earth. <clears throat> and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and Acts, you got 33, 35, 38 years uh, you know, worth of history right there packed into those verses. And then the New Testament, of course, like I said, 90 years total. The Messiah finally arrives. Imagine the excitement of those who knew it was him. For 4,000 years he's been talked about, and now he's here, and they go see him, and he's a baby. And so now it's 30 more years 30 more years before he does the miracle, the first miracle, the beginning of miracles, it's called, in John chapter 2 at the marriage of Canaan, where he turned the water into wine. 30 more years. The Messiah is finally here after 4,000. Wait 30 years and he'll start healing people. What? 30 more? Can you imagine if you went to your doctor and you said, hey, I need some medicine? 30 years. It might be that way in America right now. I don't know, you know, what a health care you have, but... <clears throat> But I'm telling you, that's, that's a long time to wait. But some things take time. And God does not run on our timetable. 
Some things take time. I wonder today, maybe God has you in a holding pattern. You ever get in an airplane and you have to circle the airport? You're just above it circling and you look out your window and there's like 42 other planes trying to land at LAX. You're like, I hate this. You know, you're just circling the airport and we're just in a holding pattern as you run out of fuel. And sometimes we, as we are in our stage of life where we seem to be in a holding pattern. But you know what? Some things take time. We want God to make these drastic changes in our church or, or in our personal lives or in our work. And things take time. And it doesn't mean just because it takes time. It doesn't mean God's not working. It means that things sometimes take time. And here's the truth as well. Some things are worth the wait. Some things are worth the wait. The Bible tells us to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be patient. Wait on God. Let him move. Let him work. I've noticed there's been so many things in the ministry since I became pastor that I wanted to just execute immediately. Just do this right now. But then I say, no, God, what is your timetable? And every time I give it to him, he does it right. When I wait on God, it turns out right. Some things are worth the wait. The Messiah was worth the wait. We got a puppy. We did. What were we thinking? No, I'm kidding. But uh, we've got a Jack Russell Terrier named Bowser. Bowser. And uh, I think I called him a couple weeks ago Jack Russell Terrorizer, Jack Russell Terrorist. But uh, he, uh, but uh, he, I've got like scars on my hands. He's just chewing on me. He's the sweetest little dog. But can I tell you something? What we have learned? Uh, training takes time. Patience? We don't have any of that. Who said that? How dare you, Mrs. Camus? We don't have patience with this dog. No. But it does. It takes time. But is it worth it? Yes! When you walk around the corner and you're like, oh! You see what the dog did there and you're like, kids, get in here clean up after your dog, you know? <clears throat> but it takes time. You know, people change, but it takes time. And we want things right now so often. I want what I want and I want it now. You don't train a dog overnight. People don't really change overnight. Now, you can overcome sin. You can overcome bad habits. You can overcome anything in your life, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately. Sometimes it takes time. It takes time. And there are things, you've got to keep pressing on, but some things are worth the wait. Here's Abraham. And, and, and of course, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac, there was a picture of Christ right there. Because on that same mountain, 2,000 years later, Jesus would be sacrificed. The Father would sacrifice the Son on the very same mountain. So uh, what we're seeing is it, throughout Scripture, all of these people had prophecies of Christ, but they never saw the Messiah. But now he's come. And you know what? It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. Some things take time. We don't want to wait for anything. Our whole economy is based on you don't have to wait. We don't even wait for Halloween to be over before Christmas decorations are out. Why wait? Buy now. You have those magical cards in your pocket where if you scan it, somehow magically you can buy anything you want. And then if that card stops working, you can always get another card until that one stops working. And we can have information anytime we want it. We can have what, it's just an amazing thing that, and I'm not saying all that's, that's bad, but we don't like, we even have what's called fast food. 
Now, I don't know how fast the drive-thrus are, but I think it moves through you fast. I think that's what the fast is, but I don't know. But the fast food, it's always there, right? It's what we want. But what I want to say to you is this this morning. God sometimes uses those waiting periods. <clears throat> he uses the waiting periods in our lives to teach us something. Pastor, I've been out of work. I'm looking for a job. Pastor, I'm stuck in limbo right here, and, and I was supposed to get this promotion. I was supposed to do this. What do I do? Pastor, I'm stuck. You know, there was a, a health situation. A family member came in, and, and now I, I'm not moving forward. God works in those waiting periods. And I want to just encourage you to wait on God when he has told you to wait. Some things take time. And God can be moving things behind the scenes to get it all lined up right. So don't rush him. Let him do his thing. Let him do it the way he wants. I wonder today, does God have you waiting on something? Does, does God have you in a holding pattern? What should you be learning? Have you asked the Lord that question? Is, is what you're waiting on, is it worth the wait? Are you taking the time necessary? I see here the Messiah came and we sing the song in Christmas at the right time. At the right time. I want you to say secondly here. Look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. <coughs> verse 18 through 20. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just or a righteous man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, the angel Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So what are you talking about here, Pastor? What's the thought? Things were tough for Mary and Joseph. Things were tough for Mary and Joseph. Say how? There were questions surrounding the birth of Jesus. There was reputations, there were reputations at stake. There were people that looked at Joseph and knew that he was, uh, was a spouse to Mary, and then they look at Mary and find that she's expecting, and later on, even accused Christ of being born of fornication. Uh, can, and so all of this is going on. He's going to be born in a stable. He's going to be placed in a manger. He's going to have parents that are living in poverty, I mean, things were not easy. There was a lot of trouble there for, uh, uh, for uh, Mary and Joseph. And, and all of their trouble would be over when they had a baby, right? Brother, uh, Brother Nick, is, 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 does a baby make life easier? No. They brought little James today to church. First day in church right there. But uh, babies don't make life easier. Yes, pastor. They're, yeah, they're joyful, whatever. But they don't make life easier. They bring trouble, and, and, but it's worth it. And the thought there is simply some things are worth the trouble. Some things take time. We need to let God move. But there's also, I see the thought here, just some things are worth the trouble. I'm glad Mary and Joseph were like, yes, we want this baby. Did it, did it bring trouble to their life? Yes. Yes, it did. And, and, and Mary was going to have to watch her son be crucified, the most cruel death ever. Suffered more than any person's ever suffered. She was going to have to watch that. It was a time of trouble for Joseph and Mary. It was a time of trouble for Israel. It was a time of trouble for the whole world with what, everything that was going on there. And, and even, though, even though Jesus' 
birth caused a little bit of trouble for Mary and Joseph, I think we would all view that baby as worth the trouble. I think back to the diapers that I have changed over the years. It seems like when my wife would go out of town, the kids were like, this is my chance to get dad. Because the worst diapers any person has ever seen on planet Earth happened when Faith was out of town. I mean, I needed a hazmat suit. I should have burned the apartment down. It was rough. She can attest. She knows. She's like, what happens when I leave? I don't know. But they're like, I'm going to get you, Dad. And they, they did. But I tell you what, I got four kids, and every one of them was worth the trouble. Every one of them. As I look at their life, and, and as I look at the, the time sitting on the bed and walking out of the room and pulling my hair out, you know, and, and like trying to get through to them and, and all this kind of stuff, uh, every one of them is worth it. My marriage is worth the trouble. You know, you think about trouble. I remember when we were getting married. Weddings are trouble. What are you talking about? Trust me. You're planning. You've got, you know, months out. You got the book, and I'm just like, oh, you know, the, the book, you know, all of that planning. You got to talk to groomsmen. You got to get gifts for people. You got to line up this. You got to line up that for like a one hour ceremony that you're so nervous for, you're almost vomiting in the back. And then, like, one thing can set it off, set it wrong during our wedding which, by the way, was a beautiful wedding, it was, and, and, and all that. But, but, but uh, during our wedding, we told our groomsmen, don't lock your knees, you know, uh, that doesn't work. Yes, it does. Our, my brother-in-law fainted during our wedding, just like that. My, and my father-in-law is doing the wedding, and he's like, and every eye is up here, everybody up here, everything's okay. His son just hit the ground. Everything's okay, everything's wonderful, he'll be fine. His grandfather's like dragging him to a pew, and we're just up there, What's going on? Everything's wonderful. It was a little bit of trouble. As we look back, though, it was worth it. Got to, uh, we had the, the DVD of it. It was 2006, okay? That seems so old to even say the DVD. Everything's online now. We have the cassette tape of the VHS. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you had one of those old video cameras, you know, when you were getting married. But, uh, <clears throat> but after all the planning, it was worth it. Hey, training the puppy, it's, it's worth the trouble. It's worth the trouble. Some things in life require effort, hard work, and difficulty. But my question is, is it worth the trouble? Kids are worth the trouble. A good marriage is worth the, the, the trouble. Get what I'm saying now, the trouble, the, the work. Going out on dates, spending time together, talking. Hey, a Christian school is worth the trouble. For the kids, separation from the world is worth the trouble. Holiness is worth the trouble. Bible study is worth the trouble. Uh, prayer is worth, and, and I, I know we shouldn't view some of these things as trouble, but I'm saying the work, the effort that goes into it. Prayer and fasting is worth the trouble. Hey, maybe taking those extra classes you've been thinking about taking, maybe that's worth the trouble. Maybe working hard on a small project so that you, you, know, you get the bigger project, maybe that's worth it. Whatever it may be, is it worth it? Is what you're doing worth the trouble that you're putting into it? Have you ever noticed that everything good is hard? It's hard to eat healthy. Some of you are like, no, it's not. I love broccoli. Well, God bless you. Pray for me. <laughs> because eating healthy is hard. Exercise. When I was a teenager, I loved exercise. Now I'm like, oh. I look at the, I look at my, my dumbbell set and I'm like, I'm the dumbbell. I'm the dumbbell. I need to be lifting those more. And they get heavier. 
I think over time they just get heavier. The, the elliptical, I'm, oh, you know, it's not easy. Uh, getting up early, maybe, and for some people they get to that point where it gets easy. Working, uh, reading the Bible is a good thing to do, but it's not always easy. Uh, praying is a, is a great thing to do. It's, it's one of the best things you can do, but it's not easy. It, it's not hard to pray, but it's hard work to pray. And, and so what I'm saying is in life, so many of the things that we do that are worth the trouble or that are trouble are worth it. But then there are things in life that we do that are a lot of trouble that bring trouble to us that they're not worth the trouble. And I would just say, if, don't continue doing the things that aren't worth the trouble. Sin is not worth the trouble. Oh, but it's fun. But the trouble is coming. And, the, and, and that's the thing with sin, is that you can always get it up front, but you always pay for it later. But with righteousness, you always pay for it first, and then you get the reward later. And, and that's just the, how, how it works. Some things, though, in life are worth the trouble. And I wonder if there's some things in life that are bringing trouble into your life. And you're I'm just so sick, but is it worth it? The, the Messiah coming to Mary and Joseph was worth it. I got to hurry. Last thought. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Last verse here. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, <clears throat> for he shall save his people from their sins. When Jesus was born, keep in mind that Roman occupation was happening. Rome, uh, Roman occupation in Israel. Caesars were reigning. It was, it was that time. Uh, the Pharisees were ruining the Jewish religion. The Pharisees had come in with legalism and all this stuff and, and had made it to where they had added to God's law so many different things and, and were, were really just like the, the false prophets of the day, the people that were after money and after applause and after all of that, and, and that's who they were. They were ruining the Jude, uh, Judaism. They were ruining that for the, for the people there. People were living hopeless lives. People were living in poverty. People uh, needed a way out of their sin. They were enslaved to the powers that be, and and of course, not much has changed in some of these respects, but there were no prophets that we know of at that time. There was not a lot of good things happening, but there was a lot of bad things happening that we know. And those things needed to change. And people needed a savior. And here's what it is simply. Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus changes things. And Jesus changes everything. And the thought I want to give to you by, uh, by way of just closing is that some things need transformation. Some things need to change. And, uh, and Jesus is the one that changes everything. <clears throat> when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you were to, if you're, not, if you're here today and you haven't done that, he's going to change you. He's going to change you from the inside out, but the changes are good changes. Your appetites, your desires change. Uh, your goals change. Your direction changes. <clears throat> Who you follow is changing. Your life is changed. In fact, it, it's such a big change. The Bible says that you are a new creature when you trust Christ as your Savior. You're not the man you were. You're not the woman you were. You are completely new. And there is a spiritual side to you now. Pastor, I, I am such a spiritual person. If you've never accepted Christ as Savior, you cannot technically be spiritual. Because the spirit is dead until Christ uh, comes into your life and, and uh, uh, quickens it, alivens it, makes it alive. Jesus was going to change everything. He was going to come confront those Pharisees 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Remember that? And, he, and he's charging against the Pharisees for their vain traditions, their fake spirituality. He was going to change the lives of everybody he touched. He was going to heal people. He was going to save people. He even changed how we view the calendar. B.C. and A.D., B.C. before Christ, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Uh, he changed everything. So I want to ask you today, how has Jesus changed your life? How has Christ changed your life? And if you say, well, I got saved and nothing changed, then you didn't get Christ. Because Jesus changes everything. How about this? What needs to be changed in your life? Well, I just can't kick this. I can't. Jesus changes everything. What changes need to happen to you in 2023? I read a story about a man who dialed a wrong number. And he got the answering machine of somebody he didn't know. And the answering machine said this. I'm not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call. I am making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If I do not return your call, you are one of the changes. I think I just found my new answering machine. No, I'm just kidding, joking. Somebody said, <clears throat> somebody said, some people will change when they see the light. Others change only when they feel the heat. I want to encourage us to see the light and decide what needs changing. And if Christ truly is inside, he can change us. Let's let him do that today. Are you in a waiting period? Are you in a time where you feel like, God, I'm stuck? Then I would ask you this, what should you be learning? Let God, wait on God. Some things take time. <clears throat> are there things in your life that are troublesome, that are bringing you some trouble? Are there things in life that, that hey, you're going through a tough time with it? Can I ask you, is it worth it? Some things are worth the trouble. And then lastly, if there's some things in life that need changes, that, that need to be changed, Jesus changes things. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, what better day to do that than on Christmas? Because he could be your Savior today and change you completely from the inside out. Our Father, I thank you so much for a great Christmas service, the time that we've had together. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for those here today that maybe have, have felt like